It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Cincinnati Bengals finish 9-8 and eight after the Cleveland Browns don't really put up a fight in the season finale. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. The Cincinnati Bengals season is, unfortunately, here in early January, completed. And they played a Week 18 game that didn't really matter for a whole lot, but we'll talk about what did matter in this game. We'll talk about what it means for the Bengals' draft position and all of the questions that we'll be trying to answer for the next couple of months here on this podcast you can find us on youtube or anywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you don't miss an episode makes it really easy to become an everydayer to become one of the many people out there that make us their first listen every day and we appreciate all of you who do that today's episode of lockdown bengals is sponsored by fanduel right now you can get 150 dollars in bonus bets with any winning five dollar money line bet check it out today at fanduel.com slash locked on to get started and james the biggest thing we were looking for in this game was playing time for some of the young players, some of the rookies, some of the second year guys. And for the most part, we did see a whole lot from those guys. We did. And it was early and, and earlier than I expected with Charlie Jones getting in the mix uh, essentially right away. And in the fact that he was able to uh, let me see here, it was yeah, the second play of the game, <laughs> get, get uh, a handoff and around six yards had a couple of carries in this game, but the the seam ball, the 35-yarder, it was like, ah, th- that's the play you need. Charlie Jones finishing with three receptions for 49 yards, but the 35-yarder, that's the one that he's going to remember. And I know he was feeling pretty good, maybe not after the game, but just getting into a bit of a rhythm. Not that he felt like he arrived or anything. We get him into a rhythm. We know coming in uh, to the league at Purdue, he was used to getting touches. And so I, I think you feel good about that. You obviously feel good about what Andre Yosevash did. Five catches for 36 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, really like the second touchdown. The first one, I'm not sure it was a touchdown. I also think the NFL said, ah, let's let it stand. <laughs> um, he, he dropped the ball at the end there, but uh, still two touchdowns. Chase Brown got some work. And uh, th- those are, those are kind of like the big three that I think we had talked about the most uh, of guys that you want to see out there, you want to see produce and all three produced in one form or another, and uh, you really like to see it. Especially on the offensive side of the ball, we'll talk about Jordan Battle as well, of course, on defense. We also have to talk about a couple of guys that left something to be be desired in that secondary. As far as young guys go, just to round out the conversation on young guys, Miles Murphy, we'll have more after we've had a chance to review the game, review the tape. Uh, Didn't obviously have a sack or anything like that, was involved in a Jeff Driscoll keeper on a read option, but... Uh, defensive line often you need to go back and see on tape. But for those guys on offense, like you talked about, James, really promising stuff. I I think the two handoffs for Charlie Jones were positive plays, if not first downs. I think they were both first downs, but my memory might be letting me down there. 
the seam ball was a, a really great play for him as well, just to kind of make amends or, or, or get that seam slot go ball that he didn't hook up with Jake Browning on a few weeks ago. And then we didn't see him play an offensive snap after that. He was on the field significantly. I think Yosevash and Charlie Jones probably were on the field for more snaps than they weren't in this game. They did go to a number of two tight end looks, a number of extra linemen looks, and Trenton Irwin was playing as well. But after Jamar Chase left the game, I think those guys were on the field for most, if not all of the snaps after that, where three wide receivers were on the field, certainly. So just good to see them get some extended run, some extra tape out there. It won't just be the plays they're targeted that they're going to want to look at on tape. They're going to want to look at how they executed other details. And against a Browns defense that was playing a bunch of backups, played some really, really bad football in this game, it was good to see those young guys step up and, and perform well. Also good to see some guys hit some milestones. Jamar Chase got to 100 catches, and Joe Mixon hit some incentives. He was uh, a couple touchdowns for for some incentives. He also broke the 1,000-yard threshold. He also was the Bengals' first runner this year to go over 100 yards rushing. So a bunch of things that we talked about for Joe Mixon that he checks off the list. Unfortunately, the one that we didn't get to see was Trey Hendrickson only credited with a half sack in this game. The Browns, as, as we talked about before the game, James, just not enough drop back passing, a lot of quick game, a lot of help on that side of the offensive line, a lot of handing the ball off for this Browns offense. So the opportunity wasn't really there for Trey, unfortunately, and he will not uh, be the first Bengal to lead the NFL in sacks, but still a, a great season for Hendrickson. For sure. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a Bengals record. 17 and a half sacks is a record, and uh, he deserves it, and he's – Got that. He's got the the second most sacks in in Bengals history as well uh, since it's became uh, an official stat. And you mentioned Mixon, the forty four yarder, his longest run in, in multiple years. In the in that he had eighty yards rushing in the first quarter, and he only needed seventy seven to get to a thousand. So the fact that he he finishes well over a thousand for the year, finishing with one hundred and eleven yards, that's huge. And um, you know I. I think he's one of the many that whose future will be discussed. Tyler Boyd's future will be discussed. We can get to that uh, in a bit. T. Higgins, who was inactive for this game, it will be discussed. But look, there's something to be said, Jake, about and, – and I love the draft position, and I would much rather they could have drafted 13th if things broke their way this week and they had lost this game. There was no way in hell they were losing this game. I, I don't know how they would have. Because the way the the Browns trotted their guys out, I mean, it was it would have been really tough to lose this game, uh, and you know they could have never played Jamar, never played Mixon, never played Hendrickson. The, I guess the the one thing, if you don't play that offensive line, you know, you're starting offensive line, then then it changes, which we saw when they did pull their yeah, starters. Right, the, the guys that got into the game in the fourth quarter, maybe that's yeah. a competitive game. Maybe it is, but. It's it, it's still you'd have to really try then to to in, in, in that scenario to lose and so I, I do think finishing nine and eight and with like third straight winning season I think there's something to be said for that uh, I I also think that this division is just is just insane and you mentioned Jordan Battle by the way before we get into the nine and eight yeah. stuff I, I I forgot we should get to the defensive guys. Um, but let's let's start with Jordan Battle from the jump. Jeff Driscoll, thanks for the bad decision. Awful ball. Jordan Battle, tap, tap, gets the interception. Also had a pass defense, had a sack, uh, multiple tackles for loss. 
Uh, I thought it was it was a good day for Jordan Battle. I'm sure there will be things he wants back. He missed one tackle, notably. More. But, yeah, I mean, it was mostly a very good game for him. Yep. So that um, – then the the touchdown, literally I was like, when's the last time the Bengals had a shutout in the, the press box on fourth and four? And Daxel, DJ Turner, you need to make the play. Mm-hmm. You can't give up that touchdown. It's pretty simple. I cut and dry, I think. And when that happened, I'm like, man, this safety conversation, this Michigan DB conversation, it's uh, it's going to continue because a lot of people are going to look at that picture of both guys diving or, or, or trailing the play, and they're going to think about that this offseason. So that will certainly and, be a theme too. And Dax was involved in both touchdowns, the Bengals allowed. And then both of them could be late recognition, could be poor angles, whatever it is. A couple of mental mistakes from Dax down the stretch here in these last couple of games that – are going to be memorable because that's the way he's finished the season. He, he certainly needs to be a lot better next year. Not not the greatest finish to the season for him. And when you juxtapose it with what Jesse Bates did, that makes it a, you know, a tougher pill to swallow. They'll need those guys to be better next year. And hopefully the experience helps them to build on the physical tools they have and, and put it together in 2024 because – just wasn't consistent enough, especially down the stretch this year. For, for a lot of those guys in that secondary, but Dax and DJ Turner in particular were under the microscope for sure. And one note, I talked to Cam Taylor-Britt after the game, and you know he's going into year three now, just finished year two, certainly emerging as a leader in that locker room and certainly in that secondary along with Mike yep. Hilton. He's like, I'm going to be on guys. We're going to take a little break, and then we're going to fix this, and it's not going to be like this next year. So instant mindset for him. In the locker room, he went out of his way to say that and be proactive. So that's uh, certainly a good sign, I think, moving forward. Like you mentioned, James, the Bengals finish a nine and eight. And there is some merit to finishing with a winning record and doing what they did this year without Joe Burrow. But it does, of course, come at a cost. We'll talk about the draft position. We'll talk about the pros and cons of the nine and eight finish coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of the new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move I can make that'll take my business to the next level? Heck, that's what the Bengals are asking, and it's probably going to be multiple moves for them, which we'll discuss here. But LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success depends on the team you surround yourself with. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals to take your team to the next level faster and for free. They're not just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion, that's right, a billion professionals that makes it the best place to hire. They also know that small businesses are wearing so many hats that you might not have the resources uh, to do what they can do. The process is intuitive, it's quick, it's easy, and you can post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on NFL. That's linkedin.com slash locked on NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. James, when we look at this year in the rearview mirror at nine and eight, missing the playoffs, the the first team outside of the playoffs, at least as of time of recording in the AFC, the tiebreakers, 
in draft order, the only one that matters is strength of schedule. The Bengals have the hardest strength of schedule in the NFL this year, which bites them both ways. It keeps them out of the playoffs and puts their draft pick as low as it could be. When you talk about the tiebreakers, there are at least five teams that are nine and eight. As of the time of recording, there are five teams that fit that criteria. A couple of them might be in the playoff picture, but either way, the Bengals are picking 18th because of that tiebreaker. So you look at what the Bengals did after Joe Burrow went down. They went four and four. Uh, If you count the Baltimore game, four and five. Four and three. Four and three. I can't count. Don't, yeah, do don't names. count the work. Yeah, don't count the poor, no names and no counting. I'm just kidding. No, four and three. Don't count the Baltimore game because right. no team would have won that one. So they beat some teams that missed the playoffs, as it turns out. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, Minnesota, all of those teams missed the playoffs. All they fringe to, playoff teams. <laughs> you know, they lose to a bunch of teams that end up making the playoffs, and and largely because of those results, those teams miss mm-hmm. the playoffs and make the playoffs. So they were able to survive and win a little bit without Burrow against fringe playoff teams. It tells you about the caliber of the roster, but they couldn't do enough to get to the playoffs, and they probably weren't going to make a huge playoff run. Browning's limitations and upside, we learned about that. We know who Jake Browning is now. He's a backup quarterback for the future, but they keep the culture intact. And we'll find out how much that's worth long-term, but they keep the culture intact. They kept trying. They stayed together. They won some games down the stretch. Sure. And I, I think in some ways, in some ways, you know, there are going to be people that say, oh, well, that it means nothing. And I'll tell you this today is today, as far as like winning, uh, ending with a, a winning uh, result in that final game, winning the final game of the year, it does mean nothing. Look at Bengals history. I've looked at every single year. Probably there aren't many people that have looked at uh, over the past year at Bengals history as close as me. It doesn't necessarily translate to the next year. But what I do think it matters is not that. That's dumb. And I don't think players can feed off of that and build on that. But not just completely sinking when Burrow goes down. I do think that matters. I do. I think there is something there where it's like, okay, we're not – as Joe goes, we go. Well, like, of course, every great team, like the Chiefs know that with the Mahomes, right? As Pat goes, they go. At the same time, could they tread water with Jake Browning next year? Well, they know they can do that. Like, if you need to play weeks three through seven next year with Jake Browning, well, okay. Like, Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be in because he's going to get it. Jamar Chase will understand it. Chase Brown will get it. I'm, I'm really – delicately naming guys that I think will be on the team. If you could tell there, uh, like for sure, be on the team. But I, I just, I think that aspect of it does matter. And so would it be nice to be picking higher? Absolutely. I, I think everybody thought at, at five and six and Burroughs sitting up there at, at the podium and, and Zach Taylor's just announced he's going to be out for the season. I, everyone thought about the draft. Everyone thought, Oh, well, will they win another game? Everyone thought, and, and then they lose to Pittsburgh the way they did where the defense plays pretty well, but Jake Browning is just awful and should have had like 52 pick sixes. And he didn't not 52 or one actually. And they barely lose the game, but they, they should have lost by way more. And then they go to Jacksonville and, and respond the right way. So I do think something, there's something to be said there. I think the coaching staff deserves some credit for that. And does it suck 
in, in, in some aspects, absolutely. I also think that it is encouraging that they didn't just completely drown without their star quarterback and they were able to tread water and they were in the playoff hunt until week 17 because I think a lot of people thought that they would have dropped out far long, long ago, especially after they lost to Pittsburgh and Jake Browning's first start. I think a lot of people have been very critical of the roster overall. And a lot of that is fair. You look at the defense, the results were simply not good enough this year. There were too many bad moments for the defense, too many big plays allowed, too many anti-clutch moments, especially down the stretch. Although they also did hold up in the red zone, again, with a large number of red zone takeaways and a really positive turnover differential on the year and a whole lot of forcing teams to settle for field goals. So those aspects of the defense were still there, but you know, Lou Anarumo has acknowledged it, that their defense gives up big plays. The defense is flawed. The offensive line is still flawed. It's better, but it's not an athletic group. They couldn't figure out the run game all year, except for teams that are penetrating defensive lines. This is San Francisco, Jacksonville, Indianapolis, that style of defense. They were able to run against them for the most part outside of those games. Besides, you know, Arizona, the Bengals really weren't able to run the ball efficiently frequently enough this year. So, yeah, there, there are flaws with this team. People have come after the coaching staff. There are flaws with the coaching staff. I, I think most teams have those flaws, but I think that the overall results and the way that the guys continued to play, the way that the guys continued to win some games and find a way to stay competitive down the stretch in more games than they didn't without Joe Burrow and even win games early with a gimpy Joe Burrow, although I know they dropped three out of their first four, they found a way against the Rams and then they righted the ship for a four-game winning streak against a lot of NFC teams and the Bills. That is a testament to the locker room, the culture, the coaching staff. And while play calling or short yardage or defensive results are bigger issues perhaps that need to be fixed, I think that on the other side of that coin, there is certainly credit due to the veterans, to the leadership in the locker room, and to the coaching staff, to to your point, James, how they played down the stretch and, and how they kept things going. Does any of that matter? We'll see. I think that the culture matters at least a little bit, right? Because a lot of these guys are still going to be back next year, even though there's going to be a lot of turnover. And we're talking about the end of an era, potentially, <clears throat> for a lot of guys. But I think entirely dismissing it, misses a lot of the human element and misses a lot of the, the the context and some of the intricacies of this season for the Bengals. It misses the history of the franchise when they've had high picks year in and year out in bad culture. Mm-hmm. And, and there, there's been, and I'm not saying they've had bad picks or bad culture their entire franchise, but when they've had a bad culture and they've gotten high picks, it hasn't necessarily translated. And, and there's been a lot of teams that have had talent and it just didn't work. And, so I, I think it did confirm that they aren't just Burrow. Now, of course, he's he's the difference between – I think they win – and I guess this is a different discussion. I, I don't even think it's a, a debate. They would easily have been in the playoffs easily. I think they win yeah. both Pittsburgh games. They might have won the Kansas City game. They were beating the Ravens. So it, all these flaws – and I think the Bengals are certainly in the playoffs. I'll stop there because who cares? He got hurt and can't rewind time. But this Bengals team, when you have Burrow, you're still in the thick of uh, an AFC that seems pretty open going into the playoffs. 
without him, they were a fringe playoff team. And that's that's better than I think a lot of people expected. So I, I do think there's credit there. At the same time, would it have been nice to be talking about the, a certain LSU wide receiver, or top defensive tackle that people are eyeing or, you know. The, offensive tackle, I think, is a big one that falls off. But your point is well taken. Or off, that was the next one I was going to. Look, we'll, we'll cover all those positions anyways, and, and we'll see what uh, the, the Bengals have in store. But there are some former draft picks, some guys that, uh, well, they could be out the door. They could have played their final game in stripes. Is it the end of an era like Jake said? We will discuss that coming up next. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel. The NFL regular season is, well, it's over. It's almost playoff time, baby. And it's time for you to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So whether it's the same game parlay, whether it's, their parlay hub, which is really, really cool because you, you can look at the different uh, options there or maybe the prop bets. You want to look at these playoff props. You can look at all of those things and so much more and start wagering today. All you have to do is make a $5 bet and you're going to get $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to make your first bet right now. And it doesn't have to be on the NFL playoffs. It could be the playoffs. It could be NBA Take your choice right now with FanDuel at FanDuel.com slash LockedOnFanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We've talked a lot about the free agents this year for the Cincinnati Bengals, James. T. Higgins, certainly the most notable, but DJ Reader, Shadobe Abouzie, go down the list. There are a lot of guys that have been on the scene for a long time, including players under contract for next year, where there will be decisions for the Bengals to make. And even if it is the end of an era for some of those guys, in some contexts, I guess, a point you made is that the Bengals do still have Joe Burrow. They had a healthy Joe Burrow for, what would you say, four games this year, five games this year, if you count Arizona? Mm -hmm which I'm not sure you can count Arizona or not. I wouldn't. Going into that game, people were wondering if they should put Burrow on IR because he couldn't yeah. move well enough. Like, that was like a thing. So so maybe you do. And then you got Arizona, Seattle, San Francisco, Buffalo. They won all four of those games. They lost against Houston, a game that they really could have won. They, they played poorly. That was when the defense really – started to become an issue after holding San Francisco and Buffalo to 17 and 18 points in back-to-back weeks after holding to C- Seattle to 13 points before the bye week. You know, there were some good vibes about the defense, and then Houston happened. And then the defense kind of came apart a little bit in the a back half of, of the schedule. A lot of bit. Yep. Yeah. Um, but you look at the games where Joe Burrow is fully healthy this year. 
They're three and one, four and one if you count Arizona. They just need him to be healthy. They're a significantly better team. And I know the defense wasn't good enough this year and everything. But the point is, is that a big difference in this team versus prior Bengals team is you get Joe Burrow back. You find a way to keep him healthy for the year. He finds a way to keep himself healthy for the year. It's both of those things, I think. And now you're back in the conversation. And that's where you're going to be with Joe Burrow at quarterback. It's just a question of can they get everything right around him. And that's where the the brunt of our offseason conversations will focus. Sure. No doubt. There's there's flaws. Those flaws get magnified by a thousand when Burrow goes down. Even the defense. Magnified by a thousand because the margin for error just goes away. And it changes oh the way you call plays, changes the way you take risks. And and obviously DJ Reader got hurt too. It's a huge injury, and defensive tackle is the biggest need on the team as of today. Now, does that change with Jonah? Does that change with T? Does that change? Who knows? You know, I, I think the vibe in the locker room, and I watched Duke Tobin hug Tyler, and he was he was dapping up other guys too. Like he hugged Jake Browning in the locker room, just to be clear. But I couldn't help but wonder, like, man, is that it for Tyler Boyd here in Cincinnati? It's, it certainly feels like it. I mean, he's been here for eight seasons, second-round pick, the the good and the bad. Certainly there was a lot of bad early, and uh, he helped turn it around. Joe Mixon, what's his future like? What's T. Higgins' future like? He was inactive today. I think they'll tag him by that March 7th deadline, but we'll see, right? I, do they go that route? There's a lot, and, and as we record this, it's January 7th. You have two months uh, to, to figure that out, and I think they'll have that decision much sooner uh, than that. But a lot of decisions need to be made, and clearly they need to find a way in that defensive tackle room to to add there. I, and part of it is Reader's injury, but he was a free agent to be anyway. Chidobe Awuzie, you mentioned him. I think he's probably played his last down as a Bengal. And guess what? He didn't play today. Either. Like it, it's uh, it's tough because they they are morphing and and they're going to get younger in certain spots. They're going to have to get more expensive in other spots, I think, and and spend money in areas. And so, putting together this offseason plan to build a Super Bowl contender again around Joe Burrow, obviously you have key pieces. It's certainly doable but there are pieces that are moving around and, and some weaknesses that they have to address, no doubt. There will be potential changes to the coaching staff as well. Expect Dan Pitcher to once again be in conversations for offensive coordinator spots around the NFL, especially elsewhere, if Brian Callahan, who seems like everybody who would know is talking about Callahan, is eligible for head coaching interviews again this year. We'll see about Luana Rimo as well. It's reasonable to think that his star may have lost a little bit of its shine for the way the defense played down the stretch this year, but I'm not even sure if that's necessarily the case. Uh, Defensive coordinators have it tough in the NFL. Defense is less consistent than offense. All these things. Perhaps Lou will still be in that conversation. So potential changes to the coaching staff, changes to the roster, and one that we haven't really talked about at all are potential changes in the front office, particularly with Trey Brown name coming up quite a bit for potential GM jobs this offseason for, for some of those vacancies around the NFL. So if they lose him as well in a very small front office where all those guys are asked to do a lot of different roles, 
you could be seeing changes happen at every level of the organization from front office to coaching staff to obviously some some over so, some roster churn happening as well that doesn't mention position coaches frank pollock's contract we believe is up this year for for renewal or not renewal so we'll see what direction the bengals go there there are probably some other position coaches or there could be i should say other position coaches that we're not aware of because those contracts do not become public but a lot of decisions and, and it goes even beyond the roster is is all i'm trying to point to here with the front office and the coaching staff. Yeah, I would be surprised about Pollock. I know social media is what it is. Just having conversations, we'll see. But you're right, a three-year deal, 21-22-23. I'm pretty sure you're right. I don't know for sure, but it that, that would have lined up with with things. And and he was basically a year ahead of when the, the coordinators got their extensions. And, and so – who knows with uh, with Pollock? But yeah, I, I'm sure there will be. They were able to bring the back the band back together after last season, and it felt like they were dodging with so many guys getting interviews. I, I think that'll change a little bit, uh, but we'll see with Frank. I think uh, I, I would expect him to be back, but who knows? You, you never know in this league. Yeah, those are the questions the Bengals will have to answer this offseason. Those are the questions that we will have to answer. We're, we're we made it through another season, James, without doing a mock draft Monday during the season now the Bengals season i have no plans of ever doing that (laughs) no plans of ever doing that so i'm glad now could that have changed could that have changed if they were top five you know and and sure i I, we did during the jamar chase year i I believe Mm -hmm. um so glad glad we could avoid that i agree with you when you win less than five games it's it's sometimes hard to avoid that part of the content cycle the content machine when you're looking at a top six, seven, eight, five, two, four, whatever it is, an early pick. But uh, we made it through another season that is probably coming to an end here soon. The the streak of no mock draft Mondays. It's, yeah, it's getting oh, to that time of it, year. It won't be. It w- it won't be obviously this week, but it is coming soon. Uh, we'll have some news and stuff. Yeah. I expect to hear for some, from some important people. Uh, on our next show, we'll, we'll react to that. Um, and uh, yeah, Bengals win 34 or 31 to uh, 14. That's that's how important it was. Got the schedule wrong or the, the score wrong, as I said it. But uh, nine and eight winning record, Jake. Winning record, three straight years for the Cincinnati Bengals. We'll be shifting to offseason mode here, like we said. And until then, thanks for sticking with us this year on Lockdown Bengals. Hootay and have a good one. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. 
They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. 